Hello and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with myself, Gary Middleton, and special guest today, former head of goalkeeping at Newcastle United, Simon Smith. Simon, great to have you on today and from the sidelines. Thank you. Simon, we're going to look at the role of the goalkeeper uh, today uh, with with your knowledge and experience. Um, just for everyone listening, um, let's just touch on your fantastic career up to now and I suppose how and when your career did you get into coaching yeah uh, did the archetypal thing left school at 16 went to Newcastle as apprentice signed as a professional stayed till 21 got free transfer at 21 um, went to play for Gateshead wanted to play in the best standard of non-league football uh, at the time still probably is so I went to play for Gateshead played for 10 years 501 games really enjoyed it and then got to the age of 30 and thought well actually my wife thought uh, you can't do this forever what are you going <laughs> to do for a proper job mm-hmm. so I was lucky because somebody who played for Gateshead uh, Dave Houlston was the um, course director on the sports studies degree course at it was actually called Newcastle Polytechnic at the time it's now the University of Northumbria mm-hmm. and he helped me get on that course uh, had to go and do some uh, extra night school and bits to get on but eventually got on the course um, which did two things one it, it it gave me the background to all the things that I'd done as a player uh, preparation training fitness you name it it gave me a background to that that knowledge if you want or or, or give me the, the knowledge behind what I was actually doing I was known as practical man because at the end of the lecture I'd always put my hand up and say oh that's like so and so in that situation they say yeah yeah that's a practical one from Mr Smith there so <laughs> I really enjoyed it but I think the bigger thing that it did Gary was it gave me time to get involved in the coaching yeah so I went to work for um I was already because towards the end of my playing career I got a job at Newcastle United's Centre of Excellence as it was at the time Newcastle Football Development Scheme because they trained at the same place I took over goalkeeping from John Carver John then employed me as a goalkeeper coach for the uh, Centre of Excellence so which was great great experience and basically Barney Jones who was in charge of it at the time just said we haven't got anybody for specialist goalkeeping back on uh, whatever you want to do courses coach education whatever you think is acceptable just get on and do it, it was great experience so whilst doing my degree as I say uh, got really involved and then I got a couple of little classic coaching jobs at Hartlepool and Carlisle uh, part time as I say doing the, their senior goalkeepers so it was great because I was doing grassroots still had the non-league thing with myself and then I had I started to move into to senior men's football and then purely by accident uh, and getting got to work with the FA and different people, I got a job with England Ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a the FA had taken over women's football, um, trying to put programs in place and had nobody to do goalkeeping. So again, I was lucky that I got uh, asked to do that, which was a unbelievable experience. Unbelievable experience it really was, and it's quite interesting because a lot of the girls who Made and were in them early squads. I now listen to as pundits mm-hmm. on the television, yeah. and I find that really interesting because they've had that interest in the game and they've had some really good teachers in their playing careers, and they've then gone on and, as I say, either as coaches or as as pundits or commentators. It's been a really interesting, uh, especially with the growth of the women's side of the game. Again, the the, the real thing about it, Gary, was it, it it got to a stage or it gets to a stage where it doesn't really matter who you're coaching. Yeah. Because the principles are the same, mm-hmm. 
it's just about trying to Im- trying to improve people and improve people's performance, get them to enjoy it. And, yeah. and I suppose from your point of view, Simon, working with um, one, two or three goalkeepers, getting to know them individually to see what works for them, yeah, what makes them tick. Yeah, definitely. I think that's been one of the th- uh, real things that have come out of it. It's like building those relationships with those people and getting them to buy to buy into what you're doing to see the the um the benefit of what you're asking them to do i didn't want to be uh people's friends so really i'm not really bothered what you do off the pitch as long as when you come to me listen to what i'm saying he was talking about this the other day saying being open-minded getting people who are open-minded is the best ever Mm -hmm. because like i said before getting them to buy in uh what you're asking them to do sometimes that can be a football thing as I said to you before, I've just done some work at Carlisle. I had a goalkeeper who was 32 years of age, played lots of league football uh, for the Czech Republic. I didn't know him. He doesn't really. He didn't really know me. I said that I worked at Newcastle, but that was like, oh right, great. So I had to find a way. And then one day I found out that he'd played for. So I did a little bit of background. Mm-hmm. I found out that he'd played for uh, Sparta Prague, mm-hmm. and Pavel Cernicek, who I'd also yeah. worked for him yeah. in the early days at Newcastle for Sparta Prague and of course as soon as I said oh I've done some work with Alison it was like oh well he was me coach he was his coach right. for Sparta Prague and it was like all of a sudden we had like a a bond we were like yeah. you know and yeah. it was and, and those kind of things which are let's say slightly away from the game but not really do help you to mm-hmm. get people to buy mm-hmm. into what you're doing Simon 1993 you joined Newcastle uh, academy as goalkeeping coach and then six years later 1999 you became the first team coach under Ruud Hullard and then Sir Bobby Robson um, go on tell us what that was like and working with uh, yeah, that, that calibre of coaching players as I say I've really mentioned it before I've really got to mention John Carver and a massive thank you because Tappan was uh, Ruud Hullett came to the club previous goalkeeping coach Terry Gennon who I knew well uh, because through the academy because he was he was fantastic helping me and a really good I suppose a word would be mentor for me being at Blackburn uh, went to Celtic uh, with Kenny Daglish John Barnes and they needed somebody to do the academy mm-hmm. pre- sorry the first team pre-season so John said well I know somebody Simon will step in and do it and help you out. So I, I reached up as you do. As you do. Um, they were going to get either Ed de Goy or Dave Besant, who obviously played for the club. Neither of them wanted to come this, this far north. Um, so I did it pre-season, and basically I just carried on. It was it was the strangest thing, really. Looking back now, it was quite strange. But again, in the short term, built a bit of a relationship with the goalkeepers. Um, I think they enjoyed what I was doing. Um, did I know what I was doing? I'm not sure. I was thinking about this the other day. Did I start off, which I always talk about is one of the ways of learning was doing to others what was done unto you. Was there a bit of that going on? So did I use things that people had done with me in coaching mm-hmm. and did that with, to start off with, to did that with the with the senior professionals, which seemed to enjoy. Um, and then obviously uh, Rude left, so Bobby took over and that was just like, a, oh my goodness, I was convinced that he was going to bring somebody he's had for England, Mike Kelly, who bit of a legend in goalkeeping coaching. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Um, he st- <laughs> for want of a way of putting it, and I'm sure if he was sat opposite today, he would say, yes, I stuck with Simon. Um, but yeah, from a coaching point of view, fantastic experience. I was just thinking about it before. There was two things he said to me uh, quite early on. He said, um, if you don't say to the goalkeepers anything, you're not doing yourself any favours and you're not doing them any favours. And at the time, I thought, oh, okay, because I am quite quiet. Well, I was quite quiet at the time. 
and didn't want to and had the thing well they're Newcastle goalies I never quite got there so there was a little bit of that going on in the early days and then it dawned on me that I actually knew more than they did mm -hmm. and he knew that I knew more than they did mm -hmm. so him saying that was a real learning thing but a confident, real confidence mm -hmm. thing you, know, so, I mean, you need to speak and you need to tell people so that, was, that stuck with me all the way through it really has mm -hmm. and, then, and then the other thing which sounds so simple but this was him was he said Simon all you've got to do shoot like Shearer and cross like Solano and if you can do that cracked I thought oh, flipping it. what does that come from but that was it you know I was talking to you before about practice design yeah we've gone into this thing of uh, unrehearsed rehearse all those things and it's like no put your practice on make sure you get out of your practice what you need yeah but at the end of the day you need to shoot like Shearer and if you do it great and if you're doing cross then you need to cross like Solano and it's like <laughs> Oh, right, okay. So I see. I saw exactly what he was yeah. meaning. Yeah. That's the level they're playing at. So the work they do on a daily basis with you has to be that level. Yeah. And, it, and as I say, that they're the two real little things that there was. So they're the two for goalkeeping in particular. I mean, the other third was he was very hard on myself. He, he was great at protecting the lads, being quite hard on me. So I used to get the blame if they made if they made a mistake. Right. I used to get the blame. Yeah. And then one day I said to him, "If you're going to keep," I got the nerve to go and see him and knocked on his door and got the rib. And then went. I said, "Look," I said, "I've got I've got to say this." I said, "You know, I'm getting the blame for things that happen on the pitch, and you know, I find it quite difficult." And I said, "I'm working hard and trying to put them do the best with them and make them as good as it can be." But and I said, "If it, if it's you know, I'm, I may as well play myself." And he said. Let me tell you, Simon. Well, I'm the manager of this club, but there is no way that you are ever going to play for Newcastle United. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. it was a bit like, no, are you the coach? You know, mm. and stick stick to yeah. it because you're not going to play. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I thought, all right, okay, I get it. And then, to be fair, from that, he actually wrote me a letter, uh, which again was the man about what he was looking for and what he looked for in goalkeepers. Unbelievable, really. Just get this. Well, it was an email. This email from from somebody, and it was. Oh, yeah. And he just named goalies basically that he'd worked with from Laurie Civil, Paul Cooper, Ray Clements, Peter Shilton, Victor Bayer. Also, like, really followed his career Ripswich, Barcelona, Porto, England, and given me the not strengths and weaknesses, but what he liked about each of the people and what their strengths were. And it was a, it was a real, yeah. He took the names off and he just listened to the, listened to the, looked at the comments about it. It was like, yeah, that, that's, and, and that was great for me and something that I've stuck with. It's like you, you need to know what the manager, I think I've touched on this in the presentation, yeah. you need to know from the manager what they're actually looking mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And as I say, that was another bit of a, a, well, a learning experience that I've taken with me all the way through. Even if you don't ask them directly, you need to find out very quickly what they're actually looking for. Mm. And I'm, I'm not talking about, uh, well, there's obviously the styles of play now, which has become a massive area, you know, playing through the thirds, playing out from the back, all that type of stuff. That's become massive. But, you know, it's like, what's he looking for? Is he just, is he just somebody who's brave? Does he, look, does he know technique? So I, I, was, I was lucky enough to have Rafa Benitez as a manager. Rafa was a, a goalkeeping coach. He could have coached the lads exactly as well, like, but in the same manner that mm -hmm. I did, the same kind of technical detail and all the rest of it, because he was really interested and he knew. And I loved that because he'd come to you and he'd say, didn't quite get his hands far enough forward or he didn't move his feet properly or whatever. And I really liked that because, to say, one, it showed an interest. It showed an interest to the lads, even though sometimes they found that quite <laughs> difficult to the manager comment on their goalkeeper mm -hmm. away from the game. But as I say, it was great for me because it was like having, well, having somebody else who was interested in goalkeeping. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Simon, you, you worked with some fantastic goalkeepers at Newcastle. Uh, Steve Harper, Shea Given, um, the name but two. Um, what was it like to work with that 
calibre of player. Yeah. It, it, well, <sighs> in, interesting, Gary. Like I say, I'm not quite sure at the start, but, um, but I'm going to say that if I actually knew what I was doing, and it was it was only through time, as I say, those little things with Sir Bobby. Obviously, then you get to work on a day-to-day basis, and then it dawned on me that what you need to do is through goalkeeping assess their strengths and weaknesses. So, well, and through the games, so what they can do, what they can't do, what this. As I say, I'm not saying that they've got weaknesses, you know, right, but what you can improve them, and can you improve them? And people used to say to me, "Well, oh, you, you never pro- improve top-class goalkeepers." I've never quite followed that. I think there's always something within the technique, their psyche, their fitness, their games play that you can suggest or help them with. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the the big thing with. Shane Harps, two fantastic goal on a day-to-day basis. The standard of goalkeeping, I've got to say, I'm not quite sure whether I've actually managed to reproduce that, even with Martin and Carl. Mm-hmm. The level of the pay and, and the other side of it was when they could both play. So Harps had to step in as it was. Yeah. The level of his performance was unbelievable. You think he played every week. Just had that special, for me, a special ability just mm-hmm. to play. But yeah, looking... Um, as I say with Shea, it was just that kind of thing because he was he got in the team and he played. I was looking at his strengths and weaknesses. So I think the way I'll put it is we set off. I had a bit of a program in my head. So although I'm preparing them for match play, still trying to. We went used to come back in an afternoon, both uh, Steve and Shea, sometimes together, sometimes separately, to do something on diving, to do something on kicking, to do something on areas of that they need to to do work on. As I say, their attitude to it was fantastic. They wanted to be the best they could be. She, um, I think the best way I can describe it is in the last year before Bobby left, I left, put together a motivational DVD, uh, or somebody at the club did. And what was fantastic about it was, and this wasn't me, the things he picked out on the DVD that were his highlights probably 90% of the things that we'd worked on. Right. So I taught him to... to step and dive one of a better way of putting it and then within his clips he had two saves where he stepped and dived one he saved a penalty against Middlesbrough another one he made a save off Steven Gerrard and it was the classic you just looked at him he could have said oh yeah we did that on October the 3rd 3 o'clock in the afternoon out there mm-hmm. and then he's obviously transferred it into the game which is key but then as I say he then highlighted that in his highlights as I said, for me it was terrific yeah. you know that the fact that he'd actually and as I say that like I said before he'd recognise that that's what he needed to do to be better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just there to help him I'm saying this it really was sometimes the shoot like Shearer across like Solano so make sure you put the practice on mm-hmm. so that it's realistic Yeah. and then they had the, both of them had the great ability to, to transfer that into training with the outfield yeah. and into the matches mm-hmm. really good um, Carl, Carl to be fair Carl Darlow I know he's just left the club but gone to Leeds but Carl was the same played for Forest played a lot of games at a young age then just needed a little bit of I think I think more with Carl belief in how good he was mm-hmm. and that was a that was a bit of a challenge if I if I go very simple when I first took over I used to parry a lot great saves but I used to parry the ball and my, my thing was right I'm going to teach you to touch it and I yeah. know that sounds really silly at professional level but that was the key so as soon as he started to catch the ball more you can see his confidence lift and Mm. Oh yeah, this is good, isn't it? Mm. Get the ball in my hands now, rather than giving away a corner. Mm. It's just simple things like that. Martin, well, with Martin, it was he came from a, a club where he's playing in front of like five thousand people. Now he's playing in fifty in front of fifty two thousand. There was that he needed. He didn't. Did he need much goalkeeping? It's, um, it's more maintaining at that level. Mm-hmm. But where where, which is quite funny because I played for Gateshead in front of three thousand people, but then. 
because of the experience I've had in coaching. I've got the, I've actually got the coach in front of more people than I ever did playing. Just being there for him, being that support, being the second pair of eyes within the games play, and and just talking openly about it. You know, I said to him one day, you know, when the when the side which way we're kicking and you run down to the to the gal again and they all clap. I said that I would freeze. I know I would. I said, how do you manage to deal with that? You know, I said, I love that. I, said, I love it when they're... I said, you know, I'm worried a bit. You might lose concentration when the cl- the crowd sing your name. And he said, no, oh, no, that, that f- focuses me, mm-hmm. and I love that. So with it, so with Martin, it was that it was that kind of discussion and chat, and mm-hmm. again, both of them terrific uh, self analyzers. So if they played, obviously the games are filmed, cut into bits. They would come and normally when we met on a Monday morning, if we played Saturday or Sunday, met on a Monday morning, they would they would have already looked at their clips. Funny enough, both of them had ads who were really interested. So they'd come and see me on a Monday morning when I'm about to say, oh, you should have done say, I was speaking to my dad and uh, he said this and that. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So your dad's a no. <laughs> Not a goalkeeper coach, but had that kind of interest, that yeah. level of interest. Yeah. As I say, both of them. Uh, both of them wanted to learn, wanted to be the best. So for me, it made the job even easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, players want to self-reflect on yeah, themselves personally. Which, you know, you know, it's something we talk about, like say, with the younger yeah. If I was just talking about the yesterday, it's like, you know, we, I used to laugh with Martin, it's like, how many goal kicks did you have? Well, 27. So we're sat there watching 27 goal kicks, which for anybody's a little bit, and he's normally kicking it in the right direction anyway, mm. so it's great. So, you know, how, how do you reflect your best three actions, your worst three actions, mm-hmm. and see what they pick? But when we did, we had a go at doing that, they were just picking the bits that I'd picked out in anyway, yeah. so... yeah. As I say, they were both. Uh, you would call them students a game. I think most. I think that's the thing with goalkeeping is that most goalkeepers have a real interest in the position. I think that's something that, has, again, that, that I've learned over the years that that, that real interest in the position. Mm. Simon, what would you say your uh, your highlights of your of your career to date have been? Um, Champions League for definite with yeah. Newcastle. I mean, I just can't believe that the fans fantastic. They've qualified it this next year, but twenty years ago. Years since they were last in it, just a bit of a dream, really. As I say, not only because it was Newcastle United, the ground's different, they have a tune like international football, but I think for myself and Carver and Bowen Spelly, who were young coaches at the time, we used to go and watch the teams train in the night before on St James's, even though you weren't supposed to, but we did. Uh, watching them train, I saw some goalkeepers that I'd never get to see live, mm. like Bartes, Toldo, uh, yeah, some real top quality goalkeepers. What did, what did their coaches do? What was their mm-hmm. sessions like? Mm-hmm. As I say, I'm a student at the game so it's like well yeah let's see what they're doing would they do anything different is there anything that I've never thought of so from that point of view seeing that was, was fantastic and then I mean just I always think with the Champions League international football you've probably got seven world class players but in the Champions League when you get to top level they can have 11 mm-hmm. 11 international but top class internationals and when you look at it now I think it's even gone more to that so from a playing point of view and a coaching point of view I think that really is the Pinnacle. Yeah. I, do, I do. I think, yeah. that, as I say, international football, yes, for different reasons, representing your country and all that. And I think the other side, I'm going to be honest, I think the other side of the Champions League was representing Newcastle all over the world. Mm. You know, they were talking about this the other week. Running out to Marseille to warm the goalies when there's, I don't know, 2,000 Geordies already in the ground. Mm-hmm. But wherever Brilliant. you went, Sarajevo, they were for a walk in the streets. Obviously, very historic place, you know, for all the reasons. And you're bumping into people from North, from North Shields and people you know, yeah. and it's like it's fantastic. Yeah, you know. But to, to actually get to do that and great experiences, great experience. yeah. yeah. Same so, as any key messages that you've that you've learned, because it's interesting. You mentioned going to observe 
um, Champions League nights the, the night before you're that opposite team training stuff that you can pick up learn from um, and when you started out in your coaching career you know how you're learning on the job sort of thing learning on the grass yeah. uh, which are real key messages for, for all of us as coaches that we continue to learn every day uh, is there anything that you sort of picked up that you'd like to share that is a real key message to you that stuck with you all these years well I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one because I knew you were going to ask that kind of question I was actually thinking about that the other day it's like well I went on the official FA courses obviously. Yeah. so if there was that side of it how did I like I said to, be, to you before how did I on that first day when they said oh this one and you've got Jacob and Steve Harper Lionel Perez sorry I can't remember oh, got, um, and we got somebody later on got Tommy right on the later on how, what are you going to do with them mm-hmm. so where did where did I pick up so as like I said so part of it was my experience as a player so even though I'd had limited coaching because it really wasn't a thing in those days yeah just with the senior goalie whatever he wanted to do you did so he ended up observing most of the time so where so then you got your other bits from uh, clips on television like football focus or you know you'd, you'd see a goalie training in the background and up at the screen watching oh what's he doing there you know and then like the world cups were great because they used to show you the team's training so like even so far as like videoing little clips of Oh, that's what they're doing, the footwork through the markers or whatever it might be. Like I say, and then as you get into it, you, you get to see other people, how they do it. And I think the other side of it is going on going on the courses as well at the time. You got to, because obviously people, other people had to do a session, so you got to see how other people interpreted it yeah. as well. Um, what I should have said was when I went to university, I failed actually um, for the second year. And so I had a year off again, which let me get into the coach and I basically worked full time for the football development scheme. And then went and then they found a way to get me back in, but I couldn't do a dissertation. So they said to me, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to write a book on goalkeeping. And they, I can always remember the tutor kind of like looked at me as if I said, oh, this book is delusion. Because I had the contact with the National Coaching Foundation through Dave Houlston, uh, they were, and they had nothing. Had nothing for goalkeeping when they were keen. So for that, I had to do the classic research of literature, review of literature. So I got every book and every piece of information I could find on goalkeeping. So whether it be from England, whether it be from Holland, whether it be from Germany. And as I say, I spent a year really, one, writing the book. So taking everything that I'd learned, all the stuff that I was reading, putting it into a book. But also, like I was saying to you before, it, 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 I was watching people goalkeeping all the time. Yeah. So it was a fantastic looking back now. It was I was still playing at the time. From a playing point of view, it was hopeless because I took myself out of being playing automatically and just playing the game to like knowing every little thing that's going to happen. So, but consciously think, oh, he's going to cross it. Where am I standing in the right position? Is my body in the right position? Oh my goodness, he's crossed it. Uh, I, I should have been looking at the flight of the ball. So. I had a torrid. So yeah. I, there was a the manager of Gates of the thing was a guy called Dave Parnaby who went to Middlesbrough, been re- unbelievably successful making footballers. Really, and Dave said to me, "Well, he said, Sorry, what happened to you?" He said, "You just you, you you're just slow and you're like two minutes or two seconds behind the play." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah, well, I'm writing this book and I'm having it." He said, "Leave your book at home and just play." And <laughs> from that point, it was the, the best thing that anybody ever said. But I kind of get it. I, I've worked with with young goalies. Who are overthinking, and I, and I, and I, I genuinely know what that feels like. Mm. As I say, from a from a coaching and learning point of view, and then the other side of it, Gary, I, I did every uh, every session that I could. Like we talked about before, if somebody said, "Oh, goalkeeping," oh, I'll do it. Mm. I was I was just twenty four seven goalkeeping. 
not just here, like I'm saying, oh, we need somebody for the FA, said, oh, they need somebody for the women's, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. The big people, like, oh, right, and because uh, it was new and it was different, but no, I'll do it. It's fine. So all working at the different levels, and when I look back at me, people that I've worked for, worked with, I really did have that, like I've seen before, grassroots, mm-hmm. non-league, semi-pro, uh, lower leagues, very lucky then obviously the Premier League and international football yeah so I've I've worked through the scale of uh, or, or the levels of football mm-hmm. and I think that's probably you know somebody asked me the day about being a coach and I said you need to do as much as you can yeah because I, I don't I really don't think there's any substitute for being for being out on the grass yeah. Yeah. I really don't yeah yeah and leads way nicely Simon the, the, the role of the goalkeeper has, has evolved that much over the years uh, I would imagine you've seen that have you Simon yeah I, it was really it's, it's, it is funny though I'm not sure so I was watching the clips the other watching the clips the other night of um, the new goalie that Manchester United got and I'm watching and I'm thinking I've actually seen this before so if you look back to the Barthez and the Saar kind of theory which was, what, that, I was trying to think probably the 90s ish yeah I've seen I've seen it before, and I've seen other people doing it. And we had a lad who played for Newcastle. He played for England called Paul Woolston. He had to retire unfortunately with a hip injury. But he he played like that, like that outfield goalkeeping kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was like, yeah, well, I've seen it before. Is it something special? Is it something different? Well, it is because not everybody does it. But it's not brand new because I've seen it before. Yeah. And uh, and and that's all the other side of that is have to have to have a coach. Who is who wants to play like that? Mm-hmm. You know, go back to the, the the Barcelona thing of having a team of small players, unbelievably good on the ball, keeping possession, playing in triangles up the field to get to try and score a goal at the other end, and that was his. And then all, all of a sudden, that philosophy or whatever you want to call it, has been taken on by other people. But the trouble <laughs> the trouble is that the other people haven't got plays that Barcelona had mm. and I think that's where it's and it's been interesting because I think that's also inv- evolved you know I, w- I, was, I think I mentioned this on the on the presentation that you looked at Manchester City last season so they get Haaland who's a big lad who wants to run in behind so all of a sudden they've got another option mm-hmm. so they can do the passing and the playing out <clears throat> but they've also got another option to hit it long because he's, that's his strength Yeah. So and I think that what, what I'm, I think I'm trying to say is it's like playing to your strengths mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and looking at that, and I, I always go back to the Sabobi thing. With Sabobi's team, he had those classic principles of football of like that 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 solid centre of the team, or the core of the team, or the spine, whatever you want to call it. He had people who were, what a better word, excellent, were excellent. And as I say, I look at his team, and then I look at modern football, and I'm I'm just seeing the same kind of thing. It's, it's about the players that you've got and fitting the system to the players mm-hmm. but what I see is people trying to fit players to the system and they can't do it mm-hmm. and I think that's when it, and as I say I've had the, just had the, the experience of working at Carlisle and it's like well, I was talking to the manager and, and he was telling me about some of the teams in their league so they were in league two last year and they're trying to play out from the back and he said and it was really weird because they're trying to do it so they know the principles of it but because with respect the lads aren't good enough 
you can do it. Mm. And, the, and people are just picking them off and scoring, and they're 2-0 down after 10 minutes. And, it's like, and you even see that sometimes in the Premier League. Where's the press? The press is high, and they're still trying to play out through the press, losing it and then losing a goal, conceding a goal. It's like, well, you're not... Decision-making. It is, yeah. But yeah. as I say, you, 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 you're trying to get your philosophy. You're sticking with your philosophy, but the people that you've got aren't quite good enough. I think that's what goalkeeping's the same. It's like, don't ask somebody who isn't very good with their feet to play out, but just stick to what their strengths are. So I suppose, Simon, from your point of view, you'll have seen this change that we now need our young goalkeepers to be comfortable on the ball as an outfield player. You know, where possibly 20 years ago it was, could they save it, could they catch it across? Um, Is that something as coaches in the grassroots game at any level that you're seeing more and more work with goalkeepers with their feet? I think it's an interesting one because it's in some ways it's... So I think as it's evolved, we've tried to uh, make the goalkeeper inclusive in outfield coaching. Yeah, I was saying playing his end men in possession yeah. games, uh, joining in passing drills, and all that type of stuff. Then what's happened is their actual goalkeeping has suffered because we've tried to get this this bit of football into them as quickly as possible. But what's happening now, as I see it, and and I think with the academy is that. Uh, they're still doing that bit, but people have realised, like you, like you just said, that they need to be able to keep it out of the goal. Mm-hmm. So we've gone from keeping it out of the goal only. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we need him to be good with his feet and be, or he or she, be comfortable on the ball, be able to pass it in, you know, in different directions <laughs> and at different paces and picking a pass, receiving the ball, all those outfield skills that they now need, but neglecting a bit of goalkeeping. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, oh, right, they're really good with their feet now, but I can't, he's not stopping anything. Well, she's not, all right, well, I need to then go back. So it's, I think it's an interesting one because it's about marrying the pitch. And I think what, what the um, FA courses have, have actually reflected that. It's right. like we've gone from, I would call it goalkeeping in the game. When I did my A licence and whatever it was, UA for A goalkeeping, it was about goalkeeping, but then but then adding on what the, what the goalkeeper's role is in the outfield play that was the key but I still didn't I still didn't get asked to coach outfield so I was still the goalkeeping coach I needed to know everything for outfield because obviously how do you tell your goalkeeper if you haven't got the knowledge so I, I understood you know the complaint was uh, well I've had to do outfield A licence well I'm a goalkeeping coach well yeah because actually do the job properly you need to know the principles of outfield play mm-hmm. be able to pass it on to your goalie so he knows them so yeah, so, you, so there's, there was that kind of thing, and all of a sudden it became like, well, what we want the goalkeeping coach now to do is to be an assistant coach. All oh, right, okay. So he needs to be it, within the sessions. He needs to be talking about defensive shape, positioning for defenders, uh, midfield receiving positions, and and how does that affect the goalie? So kind of a a bit of a marriage thing now. If you're at uh, Harrogate Town and there's only two coaches, and you've got a goalkeeper coach, and he's has the knowledge to be able to do it then that's great because that gives you another coach mm-hmm. and I get that mm-hmm. but if you're at Barcelona and you cast United and they've got five other people it's like well actually just stick to the goalkeeping mm-hmm. there's that kind of mm-hmm. thing uh, but the, the staffs now in Premier League yeah. football there are that many people that you that really like I'm saying it's stick to the goalkeeping and and as I say, I'm, I'm now seeing a bit of a swing the other way where people are saying no no goalkeeping is still important your goalkeeper still needs to know his role a bit like the presentation thing we did the other night it's, it's, it's you need to know what the consequences of your goalkeeping and positioning is based on is it you know is the pressure on the ball in the attacking yeah. third what does it look like when he moves to the mid third mm-hmm. defensive third 
then you're defending the goal, not the space. But we've become a bit obsessive with uh, defending the space in behind. It seems to be quite a real... Now, the goalkeepers have always done that. You know, mm-hmm. like if you go back to Bruce Grobelaar, you know, coming off his line, he was he, he was a, a leading light, somebody who, who did different things mm-hmm. that people had never seen before. Yeah. Like coming for crosses 18 yards out as like... Oh, not that you know that kind of thing is mm-hmm. when you're playing with your mates and say oh you can't come that far spoiling the game <laughs> he, he, he actually spoiled the game you know and as I say I, I think that's how it's evolved and it will continue to evolve I think do I see I'm still not convinced that you'll see like a rush goalie you know like when mm-hmm. we play these kids like anybody can save anybody can score and having a rush goalie because I still think you need the, uh, the technical aspects because obviously the, the real key bit is it out of the goal. Yeah, like I think I said on that night, it's like first and foremost, you're a goalkeeper. You know, I mean the the other side of it is, you know, as I'm watching Man United the other day, and it's like key key is not the goalie's position; it's your centre back's position. Because if you if if net if you're going to play like that, and your centre back decides to play in, like in the position where you now want your goalie to be. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And, it, and don't get me wrong; it has a great effect on pushing your team forward and creating space and all the rest. There's still that bit, and it'll be interesting to see how it. I'm really interested to see how it evolves over the season and mm. how other teams deal with it. Mm. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to mark the goalie. You know, you send your centre forward now to mark the goalie and leave somebody else somewhere else. Mm. And do you press? Do you press? Do you sit off? Let them have 74 passes in their defensive third, and then see what happens. It'll be, I think it'll be mm. really interesting to see what happens. Mm. Same. What would be a top three tips? By how we support our goalkeepers as, as coaches, uh, volunteer coaches, and grassroots. Yeah, I think I think uh, going back to that presentation on the night, I think uh, tr- trying, and I know we've got the players to work with, but even as the head coach or the coach, uh, trying to support them in any way that you can. Like I said the other night, even if it's just a timely, well done, just to make to make them know that you know they're there. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not I am, I'm not criticising but it's like sometimes because you're watching the ball you kind of forget about what your goalie's doing that's the other side of it is I'm trying to what I was trying to do the other night was make people aware that actually if you stood underneath the bar that has a massive effect on your team so just trying to encourage be aware uh, you know it, it, it's, it's a position where every mistake is highlighted has to be some I think with the younger ones there has to be some acceptance you don't want people to fail but you've got to accept that I've never met a great hasn't had a goal in mm-hmm. so that I know you want a clean sheet and all that type of stuff it's going to happen but it's going to happen yeah. and it's then it's the coach how you deal with that as I say if one's gone through his legs and you say the words unlucky sometimes that's worse than not saying anything so there's that as I say that, that kind of support knowing yeah, just trying to have Help them through the game. I think that's really what I'm trying to say, and have a bit of an interest. In that you know, the other day, the, my, my worst nightmare is when the coaches say to me that they haven't any clue about goalkeeping. Then I'm very quick to tell you how, how the three goals you've conceded or she's conceded have gone in. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had a, uh, Paul Simpson, who's at Carlisle, who Steve McLaren's assistant, because I've known Paul for years. You know, he said that we were talking about goalkeeping and goalkeepers and how Carlisle had got a goalie and the young goalies, and we had a really good chat for about an hour. And then at the end of it, he said to me, My name, I, no, Obviously, you're the expert, I know nothing about goalkeeping. It's like, hang on a sec, Paul, we've just had a really good conversation about and, and about goalkeeping. And that's, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And I know part of it's because I ju- you know, I'm just seen as a goalkeeping coach. But as I say, people do people do know. And I think sometimes people actually know within the game more about it than they think. Mm-hmm. That's, about, that's, that's 
partly what I was trying to highlight the other night was you do know about it just because it's, he's wearing number one or she's wearing number one and they're standing in the goal. Don't dismiss them and think they're like a special breed or an alien. No, no, they're part of your team. Yeah. And you need to deal with them as part of your team. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I think it's just about awareness. Simon, many thanks for sharing your knowledge with us today on From the Sidelines. Um, wish you all the best and whatever comes next in your amazing career. Thank you very much. We shall see. Thanks, Simon. Thank you.